the show, it's me, John Park. And here we are, it's John Park's workshop. I have so many cool things that I'm excited to show you today in the workshop. Uh, first of all, there's Lars back there spinning around. I just, I, I don't even need that on right now, but I was just excited and started turning all the fun things on. Uh, lots, of, lots of cool projects and updates and things to show you today. Uh, a new project in the works too that we'll launch today. I've got a CircuitPython Parsec I'm gonna do. I have, uh, what, a recap of the JP's Product Pick of the Week show I'm gonna do. Take a look at the jobs board, some plants, uh, succulents and such. I don't know much about plants, but uh, got one back there and it's not just because I'm a hipster modular synthesis, but because I actually needed to show you the plant today. Uh, if you don't know that, that's sort of a meme in the modular synth world. People producing ambient, particularly uh, music with their modular synths, usually have a succulent or two in their, or ten in their uh, videos. So, uh, what else? What are we going to do? Let me, first of all, this is distracting. Come on, Lars. Uh, let's turn that off. Interesting fun fact about this TV. This is an old Westinghouse, and I just... A couple times now I've realized if I turn this on, let's see if this happens again. Okay, now it's, now it's cool and happy. Uh, sometimes when I try turning this on, because I am powering this, uh, which is the Game Buino Dazzler, is that his name? Yeah, the, the Dazzler here, running off of Feather M4. This is essentially a graphic card for HDMI. Uh, and I'm powering it off the TV. This TV is old enough that the USB port on here is labeled as service. And I think they were expecting service technicians to use that for something, not for me to power up my device. Okay, now it's working fine. Uh, but a lot of time it seems to stall and just show the Westinghouse logo when it boots up. And I'm, I'm suspicious. The only time I've seen that happen is when I'm trying to leach some five volt off the USB port there. I don't think they wanted that port used that way. Um, let's see. Second of all, very important. So a quick um, quiz. What do these records have in common? We've got Run DMC, King of Rock, Houdini Escape, Elvis Golden Records, Volume 4, LL Cool J Radio, UTFO, debut album. Uh, the thing that, ha that all these have in common is that I bought them at Record World in the South Hills Mall in Poughkeepsie, New York, back in like 1981-ish or so, late 70s, early to mid 80s. Uh, and I just got a t-shirt from Record World. Can you believe this? Anyone here in the chat remember Record World? It was on, on the East Coast, mostly I think New York, tri-state area, New York, New Jersey, Connecticut maybe. Maybe Massachusetts, I don't know how far they went, but I just was so excited to get this logo because look, it's the greatest, and now I have a t-shirt for it, and I'm highly, highly excited about it. Um, this is not a, an official plug, but the brand is here. I, I bought it myself. I didn't get it for free, but Local Vintage, if you're from that area of the world and you want to get nostalgic for some old logos, mostly from the 80s, uh, check out, what are these guys? Local Vintage with a Y, because uh, that's, that's the best shirt. They can stop making shirts, because I have the best one now. There's no cooler shirt now. Uh, in the chat, over here in our Discord chat, uh, Abydus is also correct. They are all being held by JP. Definitely understood the assignment. That is, that is exactly the other thing those records had in common. I was just holding them right then. Very good. 
what else? I see a Winamp player on there. Thanks, Yanescu. We got a Winamp player running. Uh, and yes, Todd also correct the round and about 12 inches in diameter. They typically run at 33 and a third revolutions per minute to play accurately. Um, what else? We got a help wanted sign up. This is the Adafruit job board. Uh, and if you head over to jobs.adafruit.com, uh, you can take a look at open positions as well as people who are looking for work. Uh, I'm just realizing, do I need to bring that up? I, I, I'll bring it up in this tab. I forgot my new special trick with all my Chrome apps. Uh, let's see, let me find this Chrome window here and bring up jobs, standby. My, my previous session didn't save properly, so I had to go back a little further in time. Uh, so here's jobs.adafruit.com. How about, that ought to show it right there, yeah. So if you go to this available for hire thing, you gotta be logged in. So I logged in uh, with just your Adafruit account, your Adafruit email, and then you can search through people who are looking for work. So there are hardware designers, electronics design engineer, 3D and CAD, robotics engineer in Dijon, France. Are you looking for that person? Because they're here. Uh, lots and lots of people posting their skills uh, and, and looking for work. So if you're looking to have someone help you out with a project maybe uh, for hire, then, then take a look at the jobs.adafruit.com job board. That's what I recommend. All right, uh, next thing up, I have a show on Tuesdays, right at this time, but on Tuesdays, so not this day, that is called JP's Product Pick of the Week. There's the logo right there, and during the show, I show a new or old, in fact, this week it was one of the oldest, pretty much the oldest product uh, that we sell, product ID 14, and it is this Minty Boost kit. It is the version three of this venerable kit. Uh, and during the show, I do some demos. I also did uh, a little time lapse of the build. I'm actually gonna show you that as a picture in picture of my recap here in one minute, and it'll be one minute long. But during the show, which lasts about 15, 20 minutes, I like to show off a cool product and give you a humongous discount on it. So 50% off this week. You could get this one for, I think, fewer than 10 US dollars. Get a Minty Boost kit and then add yourself a, a mint tin or a deck of cards or something like that to contain it. Um, and build yourself a great little USB 5 volt charger that takes very common AA batteries. So here's a little recap I did. Get ready for it, because here it is. My product pick of the week this week is the Minty Boost kit version three. So this is a USB 5 volt source that you can use to charge things like your phone or an iPod or your Zune player or who knows what uh, using just some common AA batteries. You get the custom PCB, you get the, the boost converter that takes your battery power, whatever it is, two, three volts, and boosts it up to five volts. We have some uh, capacitors, a inductor coil, a couple small caps, and some resistors and a diode. These resistors are used to let an Apple device in particular know that it's okay to charge. Plug this in and you watch the uh, charge up there at the top. When I plug that in, you can see it is now charging. So even though this is a super modern device, uh, it is able to charge from the Minty Boost, no problem. It is the Minty Boost kit version three. Yes, it is. Uh, Next up, 
great time for CircuitPython Parsec. All right, for the CircuitPython Parsec today, I want to talk to you about a new to me, at least, uh, serial program that allows you to communicate with your devices and read out debugging and send information uh, to your microcontrollers, which is super, super useful. So I'm on a Mac and usually I use screen. Works really well, except for one major problem, which is anytime I disconnect, which is every time you reset or unplug and replug the board, you've got to rerun the screen command. So what I'm using now is called TO. Uh, and this was a tip from Todd Bot. Thank you, Todd. Uh, let me get the URL for you uh, here. It is at github.com slash TO slash TO, T-I-O. Uh, and here's how it works. I have a Feather, no, I have a, what is this guy? I have a Neotrellis M4 plugged in here, and I'm plugged in over USB. You can see I'm actually sending it some info that's causing these lights to blink. That's coming from another program. And let's say I'm debugging and I want to spy on that info. So if I have print statements in my program, which I do here, you can see there's various print statements, uh, where those print out is a serial debugger port, a serial port of some kind. So what I'm going to do is run this command, which is TO, and then the port it's on, in this case, dev, tty, USB modem, and I'll just double click that with tab completion, double check that, yeah, so there it is. When I hit enter here, you can see TO connected, it gave me some little messages to say it connected, and now it's printing out info. This happens to be one of my MIDI to LED types of programs that I have running. Now, here's the really cool part. Unlike screen, if I go ahead and reset this board or unplug it and replug it, I'm just gonna hit the reset button on there, uh, it is going to disconnect the board, but now it tries to and succeeds at reconnecting. Same thing happens if I pull power. So let's say we pull power for some reason, we go and noodle around with a circuit connected to a board, let's say, plug it back in. When that reconnects, we're up in business again. So really excited about this. I think there are also some other advanced features that I can check out, uh, but this is TO. I can quit it by hitting, I believe it's control Q followed by a T or control T followed by a Q. That is it. Uh, that'll quit the program. Control T followed by a Q. Uh, and then we can reconnect as we did before. So really cool, uh, very helpful for any of your debugging on your microcontrollers. That is my CircuitPython Parsec. It is TO, the serial, what is it called? The serial something or other. Uh, that's my CircuitPython par Parsec for the week. Try that one more time. That's my CircuitPython Parsec for the week. It is TO. Phew! Uh, like I said before, thank you again, Todd, for that tip. I know. So many of you watched me over the years on here, uh, particularly in CircuitPython Parsec moments, dealing with screen, uh, which is kind of a pain in the neck with that, with that uh, need to reconnect uh, a lot when you're developing, especially if you're very iterative like I tend to be. Uh, so uh, let me actually bring up the site for that. I'm gonna go back over to my browser here for a moment. Uh, and there you can see, so there's TO. 
TIO, a simple serial device I.O. tool. Those were the words I was searching for when I closed that. Uh, it says it's a simple serial device tool which features a straightforward command line and configuration file interface to easily connect to serial TTY devices for basic I.O. operations. Uh, and you can see there actually in this little GIF that's running, there's a bunch of different commands uh, that you can, uh, you can check out even while it's running. You can use this control T, which is essentially uh, invoke TO commands and then another letter. Uh, so you get help about those and a whole bunch of other settings for that. Uh, on Mac, I just installed it with brew. So brew install TO with spaces between those words is all it takes. And uh, once it installs, invoke it with just TO and the path to your device. Super cool, very helpful tip. Thank you, Todd, for that one. All right, uh, let's see. What else have we got going on here? Uh, Zarnlin over in our chat, let me bring up our chat here, says, uh, you discovered TO, now you're ready for the powerful world of Minicom. Am I, am I ready for that? I don't know if I'm ready for that. Uh, okay, so... Next up, actually, I wanted to do uh, a little update on the walk person project. I'm not going to, uh, I, I mentioned this last night on Show and Tell, I'm not going to um, work on that this week because I'm waiting for Lady Ada to take a look at some issues I was having running the amplifier under here over 3 volts, and I had, I had switched to using a little 5-volt uh, boost converter, which unfortunately is unavailable right now due to chip shortages. Um, First of all, a shout out to Brent Rubel, our own Brent, who recommended me these great little uh, storage cubes from Hay, uh, a little home goods store called Hay. They've got these great little st collapsible storage cubes. Uh, so that that you see in there is the two iterations of my uh, walk person project. And I want to show you the state of things here. Uh, first of all, I picked up some very inexpensive new uh, Walkman-style headphones that are probably not that great, but they look the part, so I'm excited about those. Um, those were like $8. I couldn't find any of mine. I'm sure they're somewhere, but I couldn't find them. Uh, so I showed last night on Show & Tell the um, circuit on breadboard, which I can just place under here for a second. And let's do that little view there. Widen that view out a little bit. So there is screen, uh, Neo keys, the Feather M4, the amplifier, a little uh, stereo out, 3.5 out jack, uh, and then I've got that little boost converter and a battery on here. Uh, so what I've been doing is working on putting all of that together into a Walkman-like package. Uh, and I showed that all put together last night. I just want to show you the pieces of it as I'm working on it. So uh, this design right now is just to figure out some of the spacing things. I'm going to widen it a little bit uh, because I decided to put a little uh, feather wing doubler in here to deal with my connections. There are the connections off of this two inch TFT screen. And what I'm using, what I like about this is it's, it's essentially point to point soldering to a board that then the feather uh, will plug into, and since there's a whole bunch of these feather pins that are tied to a second pin, uh, makes it really easy to, to plug and play with your wiring. Um, so that'll go like that. I'm going to get a little extra space in here so this will fit, 
it uh, that width, maybe about three more millimeters of width there. Um, but I've got a slot there for the SD card, uh, which is actually in that other one right now, but you can use this extender, which is uh, on a little spring release to, to pop that in and out and take the uh, SD card in and out for different sets of songs. And I've got the little port there for USB on the Feather. Pull this back out. Uh, I just used some, in order to not have a bunch of screw holes, I just used some little, uh, I modeled some little standoffs there. Let me bump up my exposure. There we go. Uh, some little standoffs there that these just press fit onto uh, with a little bit of a, uh, a fillet there, a little skirt type of shape to strengthen that base of those because they're kind of skinny. So that just snaps right onto there. Uh, same with the screen, which has a couple of mounting holes there that snaps onto. There's nothing back here, so I may try to put something back there, ask the Ruiz brothers what they think about that. Uh, and then there's a whole, half a hole on this side and a whole hole, or a half a hole on that side for this encoder, and then a full hole there for the uh, stereo out, uh, 3.5 millimeter headphone out. And then right now these don't really have a snap fit thing. I'm gonna uh, probably leave that to Ruiz Brothers, but right now that just kind of holds together, but I don't have any snaps or anything. And then this uh, fits into it. And I could possibly just reverse the way this works and have uh, a slimmer extension on the two halves and then this top just caps that, it might work pretty well. Um, but that is where, let me flip that around. That is where I have my NeoKey. I've got the uh, cable for Stemma QT to connect that up to the board and to the rotary encoder over here, push encoder. Uh, there will be a little uh, slide switch. I don't think I have one right here, but a little uh, slide slip switch going to the enable pin, which allows me to turn the whole project on and off. Uh, there'll be a LiPo battery in there, fitting right about down there. Uh, and then, like I said, right now this somewhat a uh, silly idea of mine was this fits in between the two halves, whereas it should be the other way around where those fit up into there and it holds it. Uh, but this actually kind of holds together right now just for uh, testing purposes. And it is deliberately designed uh, similarly to the Sony, the original Sony Walkman, um, this little separation line here. There is a bulge on the original, but it made it really hard to print flat. So I'm not sure uh, if that'll survive the design or if it'll be an extra part or something like that. Uh, and the piece that I think is really cool is submerging this little button row uh, down low enough that we don't get the, the big full height button because those look kind of goofy sometimes. Um, but you can see I built like a little shelf that these press against so that whole board kind of slips in there uh, but then can't, can't move down. Uh, right now it can slide a little bit side to side. I didn't put a stop in there or anything but this, this just made it easier to get something that works and then can be refined. So. Uh, I've been modeling all that in Rhino uh, using Grasshopper as the sort of procedural um, flow graph of how things are built, which makes it easy to adjust things after the, the fact, sort of like a, a, a proper parametric CAD program. Uh, so that's the, the progress on the little cute uh, MP3 person player Walkman thing. Click, click, click. Uh, and this one's not fully wired and therefore not functional right now, but that's where we're headed with that. Let me take the little 
bucket of parts and move those over there. Uh, and let's see. So next up, uh, let's get into the new project. So, uh, oh no, wait, but first I have, a, I told you this show is packed today. Let me get some water here. Before I move on to the project, I just noticed sitting under the camera over there under my record albums uh, is my favorite laptop I ever got there. My IBM, was this the X23, I think, ThinkPad. I got it back in like 2001 or something. Uh, and I've always loved this and I've always loved the design. And so I was um, cruising around on the free section of Craigslist and found this beauty. This is a 17 inch IBM LCD uh, VGA monitor. Sorry, that, uh, that display is kind of dark today. Let me see if I can boost that just in here. Yeah, it's not going to look that great. Uh, so this is, in fact, let me head over there. Let me, let me get behind the, the bench there. So let me slide that over a bit. Uh, so this is what it says on the tin. This is a 17 inch LCD panel. And I just love that IBM late 90s, early 2000s styling. I worked at IBM around that time, and so I've always had a fondness uh, for this style. Uh, I propped it up on some aluminum stand there, but look at that. I loved these diagonal vent lines. Uh, very hard-edged cyber kind of look IBM had going back then. Uh, this, if I can switch cameras real quick. Hold on, let me plug in my camera switcher. There we go. Uh, so you can see here, this has a uh, kind of unusual, I haven't seen this type of a tilt design before, where it just pivots right from the bottom which allows it to lay down a kind of a nice angle for seeing over. I'm not sure if they had some intended market for this. Uh, you can also see it's got this great wavy, wavy line made out of the buttons here. Super cool. Reminds me a little bit of that, uh, I think, late 80s, early 90s phone from Radio Shack, the black one that's that artist palette one. Uh, and also the next computer style. They'll, they'll kind of have a similar design language. Um, this one does have a cover that pops off the back that allows you to access um, the VESA mount. So you could mount this onto a, I won't pop it off now, uh, mount this onto an arm of some kind, monitor arm. And what I'm going to do with it, I don't know. But one thing I can do with it, let's see if this is going to power on right now, uh, is, let me switch cameras again here. Uh, I'm just running an iPad to it. I have one of these iPad uh, lightning to VGA connectors. This has a VGA cable coming off the back. It's actually plugged in uh, inside of this little piece of casing here. Uh, but look at that. It looks pretty nice, even just as like a, as a little informational display. And you can see that's, uh, that's just connected right up to my iPad, so I can still use that as control. Um, but VGA is pretty interesting because you can... Um, it's an analog signal, not digital, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. And you can send out 
from, I think, ESP32, some flavor of ESP32. There are some projects out there uh, for sending out to VGA. Also, the RP2040. Um, and so, while I have some monitors, including that big one over there, that do have VGA, this one's nice and small, so a little easier to grab and, and develop for. Uh, and this could make a really cool little cyber terminal of some kind, a really simple computer running just right off of a microcontroller with this as the display. Um, so, very happy about that. Thank you, Craigslist Free. If you don't know about Craigslist Free, check it out. Uh, as long as you don't get murdered, picking up your stuff it is a good deal. Um, all right, so that brings us to our project uh, this week. So I'm going to unplug this like so. Uh, this is, by the way, the little dongle that I have. So I've got one of these that works with lightning. I have one of these that works with like a Thunderbolt connection mini display port, one of those on, on older Macs. Um, and then there are a lot of converter, little converter boxes. In fact, if you look on Adafruit, there are some boxes that'll take various things to VGA, which is nice. And it's a, I think, 1280 by 1024 image. Uh, and this is a, a, goes without saying, I love the sort of square, nearly square aspect ratio on that thing. How cool is that? Uh, so let me get this out of the way, and actually I'll go real quick and confirm that I'm not making that up when I say that we've got some uh, VGA outs. I know I at one point got a little box that allowed my Dreamcast to run out to VGA. I think over whatever proprietary AV port that the Dreamcast had, so this could make a cool retro uh, gaming monitor for that era of stuff that wasn't quite CRT uh, era of retro things. You can see how my place gets so cluttered because I can't uh, can't resist getting cool stuff. So bring up the browser again here, and let's go to Adafruit. VGA. Okay, so we have HDMI to VGA video adapter. Uh, so that one is a little converter box in there that uh, is presumably powered by, by uh, the HDMI signal and converts it out to VGA, which is kind of neat. Uh, here's another one with a uh, different audio uh, cable, I guess, or, or it's internal to it. And is that all we have? We just have those two converters. Um, yeah. And so I'm curious, actually, if you look at, uh, let me look at the chat real quick, if anyone mentioned some of the uh, projects out there. Play Doom on it, says Andy Calloway. Good idea. Um, yeah, in fact, let me, let me look real quick in my browser window here, and then I'll open it up. Uh, RP2040VGA. Uh, when I was looking into doing composite video, uh, I was running into way more projects that did VGA. I think it's a, a friendlier um, standard to deal with, and uh, particularly if you look at video synthesis, all the video synth projects out there and some of the video mixer projects and things uh, tended to be uh, VGA-based. So I'm, I'm thinking 
that could be a, a fun way to go. Yeah, so here's a PIO assembly VGA driver for RP2040. So that means that uh, one of the, the uh, sort of PO uh, threads or cores uh, is, is running the VGA uh, protocol here to send out your video. So lots of neat stuff about VGA. Looking forward to digging into it. Um, yeah, you can see here's, here's a, a nice diagram. We have uh, of the little DIN plug there, we have uh, a ground, and then there's separate red, green, and blue uh, channels, as well as a vertical sink and a horizontal sink. Um, so those are the ones you're using, and uh, that's why the color is so much better than a composite signal, because we have three separate channels uh, instead of just two wires where uh, all that color data is being crammed in. Um, so yeah, let me know if you have any favorite projects to check out doing doing microcontroller things over VGA be interested to, to find out all right uh, so let's get into our main project this is something that uh, Phil PT Phil Tyrone Mr. Lady Ada suggested uh, to me just yesterday and, and he and Lamore and I talked about it uh, they'd seen a video of someone doing a pretty neat uh, Houseplant as input device for a synthesizer. And this uses uh, typically capacitive touch. So we want to use a microcontroller that can do capacitive touch and then run some alligator clips from the microcontroller's touchpads to the plant. And then when you start the microcontroller, if it uh, recalibrates capacitance based on what it's connected to, it won't start playing immediately. Uh, but when you grab leaves, you'll get some different effects. Now, you can do sort of an analog version of that, which is my intention, is to, to base the capacitance uh, value, uh, or rather base what I hear on capacitance value. Right now, I'm just doing a simple, uh, the simplest sort of touch I.O. thing in CircuitPython, which is either touch or not touch. However, one of the neat things about using the plant is that you can uh, get places on a plant leaf that you touch that are just on the cusp of um, pinging that, that true value on the capacitive touch. Uh, and you can get sort of really cool noise as it pings on and off the, uh, the synthesis method that you're doing. Uh, when it comes to synthesis, synthesis methods, that is not easy to say, uh, a couple of things that come to mind with this sort of project are using a uh, microcontroller that can do MIDI output. So touch a leaf, send some MIDI signal, could be CC values like a knob, could be send a note, could be send some kind of an arpeggio. Um, <clears throat> and you can do that over Bluetooth or over USB. So a lot of our microcontrollers that use the NRF52840 chip are great for this sort of thing. Uh, and in fact, that's why I've picked a uh, Blue Fruit, one of these, not this exact one, but uh, Circuit Playground Blue Fruit. This one's in the, in the cool little case there. Uh, this is the NRF52840, and it has, I think, six or seven capacitive touch pads on here among all these, these uh, pads here. You can clip an alligator clip or just touch them directly, use some foil tape, uh, maybe conductive paint. There's a few different ways you can do that. And uh, record whether you're doing uh, a, a reaching a threshold essentially of capacitive value. Um, 
Another method, instead of using MIDI, which is super great, but I, I kind of was interested in making a little more self-contained than that, is to actually do sound generation on the microcontroller itself. And in fact, let me, um, let me bring up the project I'm using for the, uh, the core of the code here. Uh, one second while I bring this up. Uh, this is Kevin Walters. Where'd you go, Kevin? Uh, this one right here, Circuit Playground Express USB MIDI controller and synthesizer. So it's the and synthesizer part of this that's uh, what I'm using. If you take a look at this guide, uh, this shows how to use a, a Circuit Playground Express, but I'm going to use the Blue Fruit as a MIDI controller uh, and or a basic synthesizer. Uh, and so in this basic synth code, there is code to generate wave, a waveform uh, at different pitches as well as modulate uh, sort of AM uh, amplitude modulation of that waveform, uh, changing some of its, I, I think it might be its um, pulse width modulation width using the uh, velocity of a MIDI press. Uh, and then there's uh, uh, a pitch wheel uh, and mod wheel as well. So there's a bunch of uh, different ways to adjust this. Right now, like I said, I'm just going to do note on, note off, but I'm, I'm essentially not using the MIDI part, por portion of this code. Instead, I'm going to, and I'll show you the code in a minute, uh, just trigger the waveform here. Uh, and here's a, a sawtooth waveform uh, bit of code right here. So I'm just playing these waveforms at some three different set pitches using cap touch. We could go up to, I think, the six or seven that are on here, but for now I'm just going to use um, three. So let's head over to the workbench. I'll show you how this uh, how this is put together, and uh, we can do a little demo of it. Uh, and I just noticed in the chat, nice comment from Todd Bot: USB C to USB two to HDMI to DVI-A to VGA to Ethernet to PCMCIA to RJ45. Perfect. Is that a cable we sell? Uh, so what you can see here I've got is my Circuit Playground Blue Fruit. Whoa, let's make a noise and let me switch cameras here. Make that the big one. Uh, and then I have connected, I'm sorry, plant. That's probably not, not nice for it to get tugged like that. Um, forgive me. Uh, so what I have going on here are three of the capacitive touch pads are going to three of these leaves that are um, mostly separate from each other, There's sort of three sections of the plant here. Uh, and that helps because if you just connect to different leaves on the same uh, sort of plant base, then you will tend to trigger the capacitive touch on all of them just because there's so much water in the plant um, if it's a healthy plant. So what I've got is not only the alligator clips running to these leaves to measure uh, my capacitive touch triggering, but I also am running a uh, great little cable that we have, a little Adafruit cable here that goes from two alligator clips to a mono three and a half millimeter jack, which is great. This is what we tend to use for different control voltage and gate signals in Eurorack modular. Um, so it's, it's a really convenient one to be able to send out a mono signal. Uh, can be audio, can be um, control voltage, whatever you want. So what I'm doing is just running, I have a, a cable here that goes out to a quarter inch patch cable, which is 
sort of uh, what you're used to from a guitar type of interface. Uh, and I'm plugging that into this cool little uh, delay pedal. Uh, and uh, thank you, C. Grover, for this. He was clearing out the studio, by the way, and gave me uh, this Giga Delay pedal. So uh, what I'm doing is generating a PWM audio output, but instead of just going over the tiny little speaker that's built into here, I'm going to be going through this uh, effects unit so that we get a nicer sound. So let's, uh, let's see if we hear something here. So there you can see, even though I had set this up just to play three notes, uh, we have uh, uh, sort of these six different sounds we can do. So we have the, especially if I just touch the uh, alligator clip, it just plays the solid note. Same if I touch the plant and really hold it, uh, I'm not hurting, hurting it, but hold it pretty strongly. Near uh, to the uh, probe, so anywhere near there and I'm getting pretty much the solid sound. But as I grab it lightly and further away, uh, I'm triggering really fast that uh, on-off uh, value, and that's what gives me that super high-pitched scream. which is pretty cool. It's sort of almost like uh, getting a, a sort of harmonic out of a guitar string by just lightly touching it. Uh, it's, it's not working under the same principle, but as far as how you're playing it, it almost feels like the same sort of thing where there's the real note and then there's this sort of harmonic-y type of...
man, this one leaf is getting sad. I'm gonna unplug from that. Let's turn that down. Uh, so thanks for coming to my performance here of the plant. I know so little about plants, I actually don't even know what this plant's name is, I'm sorry. So if there's a plant person in there, uh, and also don't tell my wife that that one's sagging. It is not broken, but you know what? There was this cute little butterfly steak thing in here, which maybe was, maybe was there for a reason to hold that one up from drooping. Um, so let's take a look. Uh, I can unclip. No, let's leave the clips on the board, but I'm going to remove that from the plant. Uh, and I probably should put a little copper tape over these just so they're not as pokey because you don't, you don't want to cut into the plant and that should still uh, act as the, the capacitive antenna that we want it to act as. Um, so you can grab just a little bit of, uh, probably aluminum foil would work. Uh, I've got this little adhesive copper tape and just line the inside of the alligator clip so it's still making nice, uh, nice contact but not chewing into the plant. I don't actually even see teeth marks that might be wishful thinking, but I don't actually seem to see any damage. So shh, don't tell my wife. Hope she doesn't watch this episode. Uh, so let's bring this over. Um, actually, I'll, I'll, I'll show you one of the reasons I loved both this addition to the performance, being able to play the kind of two modes on the leaves, as well as the guitar pedal, uh, which guitar pedals are the best, or effects units are the best for making these little simple uh, waveform-based synths sound amazing. Um, so just always slather in the reverb, the echo, and the delay, and, and you can really take things up a whole bunch. Um, snake plant. Oh, that's a common name for this, is snake plant. Oh yeah, I've heard, I've heard my wife and daughter talking about that. That sounds right. Um, so if I unplug my little uh, guitar pedal from here, uh, in fact, I'll unplug the alligator clips from that, now we will let me re reset it. So one thing you can do is reset the board uh, and that gives you uh, a um, recalibration essentially of the capacitive touch. So now uh, I can use I can just use these right so nowhere near as compelling as A some cool delay effects pedal and B, having the plants involved. Uh, and it really, I think it really elevates it from something uh, very simple to something more interesting. And of course you get the, the visual aspect of the plant, which you can't, can't lose with that. Um, also, you could use a battery for this. You could power this off of battery and then nestle it neatly uh, somewhere over in here, especially using that nice little plastic case that we have. Uh, but what I'll do now is let, let's grab this and, and just go over what I have happening in code so far. This is like I said, a fairly um, simple first uh, stab at this. And, oh gosh, uh, I'll, before I do that, plant talk over in, our, uh, over in our Discord. Dexter says the Dracaena trifasciata is a species of flowering plant in the family Asparagacinae native to tropical West Africa from Nigeria east to Congo. Commonly known as snake plant, St. George's sword, mother-in-law's tongue, vipers, bowstring, hemp, among others. Thank you. Uh, or it's just baby Groot. One of those, one of those two. Uh, so let me plug this in. And 
by the way, if we've still got Adam going here, notice I unplugged my Trellis M4, uh, and there's a chance this will reconnect when I plug in here if it grabs, grabs the same USB port. Uh, it did. So I don't know if it re... Yeah, it must have just grabbed the same port. I don't think that would, that would uh, work if we uh, had a different port shown. Um, Oh, by the way, over in the YouTube chat, thanks Jason Edelman for the uh, snake plant icons. I just had to, the, the moderation software made me uh, agree to show those. Those look great. Um, so, uh, yeah, you can see this is reconnected here. I don't think I'm sending out any print statements, but it is connected. So let me open up uh, the code.py running on here. And what I'll do with this is actually, I'll probably show a version running in CircuitPython as well as in Arduino. Uh, so this can be a, a leaping off point guide for a few different uh, projects. So some of this code in here is not necessary only because I started with Kevin's uh, USB based code and haven't commented some stuff or gotten rid of some stuff yet. But main thing, main change from his guide is um, we no longer are using audio IO, we're using audio PWM IO. Uh, and I'm adding touch, touch IO. And then I've just set up these four. So like I said, we have, I think, six on here, maybe seven uh, touch pads we can use. Then uh, ignore this MIDI stuff, it's not being used. Uh, we turn on the speaker, we use the uh, DAC output, which is the board speaker, but that does also go out over a uh, zero, uh, which is what I'm connecting up to, to, to go to the guitar pedal. Uh, and here is the code for creating the, uh, the pitch and the waveform. So we have a reference frequency and then, a, then math that happens to that based on the MIDI note that was coming in, or uh, I'm actually leveraging some of that just to make it easy so I don't have to know frequencies. I just can send out like MIDI note 46 and that'll, that'll, that'll work. Um, the uh, Wave form here is this sawtooth wave that's created based on the pitch that you send it. Um, and there's uh, a function to convert the MIDI note to that pitch uh, frequency in hertz. Uh, generate the sawtooth. And I don't have the NeoPixel code hooked up now, but I might hook that up. That would be kind of nice to do a little visualization. Uh, this is the conversion of a note to an LED being turned on or off and the uh, note frequency based on MIDI note to feed into that uh, sawtooth wave generation. Uh, I'm not using pitch bend right now. I may try to use the, um, one of the control channel, CC, uh, continuous controller values or velocity uh, based on an analog read on the plant. I haven't tried that yet. Uh, and then I created this uh, little function here that just takes uh, the note frequency based on a hard-coded instead of a MIDI note, a hard-coded note per plant leaf, uh, and then uh, generates the proper waveform and plays it. So it, it makes the waveform plays it almost instantaneously as I touch the different leaves. Uh, when I let go, uh, the option is to run this function in the stop the DAC mode. So that's what cuts off the note. 
And then I create a little state variable for each of those four leaves. Again, this, is, this could be optimized, but right now I just have it very explicit. And then in the main loop, this is all that's happening is these uh, essentially three things. I have if A4 is being touched and it hasn't been touched, so just a sort of state change, so we don't um, sort of like debouncing it. If I touch A4, then we're going to use that play touch note function with note 46. When I release it, it turns that off. When I touch A5, I have note 49, and when I touch A6, I have note 52. So I was just uh, grabbing some, some notes that I thought sounded good together and uh, slightly minor uh, triad kind of sound. Uh, the rest of this I've commented out for now because we're not using it. And uh, that's what is playing those. Uh, every, uh, or Echo pedals, like $50 ones uh, out there used, uh, or even new ones sometimes. Uh, oh, buffering. Andy Calloway says we're buffering. Let me see if my stream health sounds okay. Uh, the bitrate got a little slow. Hopefully we're not. Oh, uh, yeah, it's buffering. Oh, no. Uh, all right, hopefully that's better. I just uh, kicked, the, kicked the software. Hopefully it restarts. Uh, let me know if we've got smooth happening yet. Buffering, buffering. Healthy on YouTube now, yay. Uh, thank you for the, for the note, Andy. We're back. Uh, back just in time for me to finish up, I think. So uh, that's what I have having with this. I'm going to look at uh, that main adjustment, which is going to be analog, so that uh, instead of just true-false for, uh, for a touch event with cap touch, we can uh, have a, a variable uh, value, which we can then convert into uh, a range to use to sort of adjust the sound instead of um, pinging it on and off the way I am currently. But I kind of like that, so who knows? I, that could be the happy accident that stays in it. Uh, all right, let me see. Any other thoughts or questions over in the chats? Uh, if not, I'll say uh, tune in tomorrow for a deep dive with Tim. He's been working on some really cool stuff. Uh, if you saw any of his cap touch screen um, show and tell last night, and there's also going to be a giveaway of some old um, conference room uh, um, Touch screens. I remember those from, from the Disney buildings. We had those things all over the place. Uh, what are they called? Crestron? Yeah, the Crestron remotes for, for scheduling meetings. Uh, they've, they've got those running with CircuitPython right now, looking really cool. So that is going to do it for me for today. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Uh, for Adafruit Industries, I'm John Park, and this has been John Park's Workshop. Bye-bye.